Here's what Paul said. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I'm instructed to be uh, both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Notwithstanding, ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity. Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice, acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And I want to, just for a few moments, we got a missionary friend with us tonight. I hadn't forgot about you, brother. Lord, Lord told me just to wait. I want you to get up at the end of the service. I believe God ordered this service just, just right with this message before he gets up here, and I'll tell you why in a little bit. But um, I want to note how the text here is speaking to us about giving. We're talking about money. I'm going to tell you something. We preach on money, man. It gets tighter than a banjo string. Y'all know I'm telling the truth right there, and because uh, it hits close to home. And uh, but you can't ignore money. Somebody said, and I haven't counted it up personally. Somebody said Jesus spoke more about money than he did about heaven and hell and things of that nature. And I know Jesus had a lot to say about money. We may read a scripture too. If you get a little nervous or you get a little offended or you get a little uptight when People start talking about money. I'm going to tell you what you are. I got a name for you tonight. Is that all right? Can I call names tonight? All right. I'm going to tell you what you are. You're a tightwad is what you are. In fact, that's what I want to preach on tonight. <laughs> I'm going to call the message tonight the testimony of a tightwad. And I want to preach on what you get when you don't give. <laughs> what you miss out on, what this church at Philippi got because they were givers. And, of course, we'll flip it around. And, because Paul does mention those that didn't give. He mentions that in his text, doesn't he? He says in verse number 15, he said, No church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. And so there was only one church for a while that was given to them financially. Those other churches did not give, and because of that, they missed out on some of these things that Paul spoke to the Philippians about. And so I want to preach on that just for a minute, the testimony of a tightwad. Let's pray together, all right? You pray for me, I'll pray for you, all right? Father, we love you. We're thankful for the privilege we have, Lord, just to open up your word. And we know that it's all good. It's all for our learning, all for our admonition. It's all for our, our exhortation, Lord. I pray that you'd help me, Lord, to preach this. And, uh, Lord, I pray that you would, Lord, not just let it be a, a, a nice outline or a, a message, but, Lord, it would be a, a, something that you put in our hearts. Lord, I pray that you would make generous, generous Christians. 
uh, here at Walters Grove Baptist Church. Lord, help us not to have an attitude of stinginess, but Lord, give. Lord, as we've been given to, Lord, you've been so good to us. As the girls just sang, Lord, we, we, we have, we're so blessed. Lord, we got food on our table and shoes on our feet and a roof over our head and clothes on our back. God, you've been so good to us. Lord, help us, Lord, not be willing just to receive, but Lord, help us to be willing to give as well. And Lord, I pray that the text would live and come alive to us tonight. Help me, touch me, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now, in, this, in these closing uh, verses of Paul's letter, he's addressing the financial support uh, that he received from the church at Philippi. And that's what I wanted to back up just a little bit. We talked about uh, a couple weeks ago when we looked at those verses how Paul knew both how to be a base, that means to be on the bottom, and he knew how to abound. He knew how to be on the top. We talked about how uh, Paul was one who could deal with the changes of life, the circumstances of life. He could do it well. He didn't have to have money. He's thanking him for this gift. He rejoiced in verse 10 that their care had flourished again. They were able to restart their financial support. But he wanted us to know, he clarifies that, and he wants us to know that it's not that he needs money to make him happy. He don't need money to make him happy. His happiness, his joy was disconnected from his financial status. And I'll tell you what, man, we, we better get there where we don't need a full bank account. We don't need all the bills paid. In fact, even more financial, but other things, the other temporary things. like We don't need everything going good and everything going our way for us to have joy and contentment in our heart. If that's what you got to have, you're going to be up and down and up and down. But if your joy is plugged into Jesus and He is the source of your joy, listen, it won't matter if you got a million dollars or if you got two pennies to rub together because that does not have an impact, does not have an effect on whether or not we have joy in Jesus. Contentment. Learning how to be content no matter what your financial status is. He learned how to be consistent. He said, I know how to do both. He said, I, I, listen, I, I'm serving God when things are up. I'm serving God when things are down. You know, there's some of us, we're all prone different ways. Uh, some of us, things, when things are going really well financially, man, we, we don't think about God. We, we don't... Uh, Man, we don't need God, right? We don't need anything, and we're carnal, we're backslid. Amen. You can always tell when the tax returns come in. You know, they don't come to church, you know, forever, and, you know, they're all around and spending all their money and doing everything. But then when they hit bottom, man, they're the best Christians you'll ever find. Amen. That's probably why God keeps you broke all the time. Amen. You hadn't learned to keep $100 in the bank account and still serve God. Amen. To be happy about it. And there's some people, it's the opposite for them, man. When everything's. When everything's uh, up, they're up, and everything's down, they're down. And it's just, it just works like that for them. I'm going to tell you something that, uh, man, God help us to be consistent. I, wanna, I don't want to change even when my situation in my life changes, circumstances change. And so he tells them, so here's what's going on. Here's what's going on. They send them the, the love offering here. Epaphroditus brings them. He's in prison. They send them this gift. He tells them in this letter, he said, listen, I don't need money to make me happy. Okay, now I'm going to tell you something. If you give somebody a gift and they say, well, you know, I, you know, thank you for it, but I don't need this to be happy. Well, you might be a little off-put by that just a little bit. You might say, well, you might be a little offended. You might say, well, then why did we even send it to you? Why did we give? If you were fine without it, you know, we should have just kept it ourselves. So Paul kind of counterbalances this thing. In verse number 14, 
He said, notwithstanding, you have well done. He said, listen, you did good. You did the right thing. You need to know that I don't need money to be happy. I'm content. I have Jesus on the inside strengthening me. That's verse 13. He's strengthening me. He's giving me strength I need to carry on. He said, but you did do well. He said, well done. You're doing good in your giving. That word is communicate. You see that in verse 14? He said, you did communicate with my afflictions. It's in verse 15 as well. Communicate it with me. Whenever you say that word communicate, it talks about, it, it speaks of a sharing. It speaks of a fellowship is what that is. Specifically, it speaks of financial giving is what that is. Uh, Paul told Timothy to charge his church members, his rich ones, those that are rich in his church, 1 Timothy 6, he said that they not trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, and that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, is what he said. Galatians 6, 6, Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. So that word communicate speaks of financial giving. It's a sharing, to be a co-participant, to be uh, in partnership, to be in company with somebody. That's what communicate means here. Paul recounts almost 10 years earlier, verses 15 and 16. He said, You Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. He's remembering that uh, after he left Philippi, left the regions of Macedonia, he went into Thessalonica. That's Acts chapter 17. And when he did, and then he went from Thessalonica, he went into Corinth. That's Acts chapter 18. And when he did, there was only one church that was supporting him financially, and that was the church at Philippi. That's when you see talk about the churches of Macedonia. He's speaking specifically of Philippi. It was in the region of Macedonia. They were his only supporting church. Verse 16, he says, For even in Thessalonica you sent once and again. Why does he call it? For even in Thessalonica, why does he, why does he single that out? Because if you go back and read the book of Acts, you'll find Thessalonica was the church, was the city that he planted a church in after he left Philippi. So you know what that means? Philippi, the church at Philippi, these Philippians, they were supporting Paul financially. They were the only ones that were doing so even when he had just left there and went to Thessalonica. You know what that means? Philippi was a baby church. They were an infant church. They, and they, they, uh, they, they hadn't been saved long. They were just a bunch of baby Christians. But even in their infancy, even in their, uh, even in their, uh, their, their, their newness of life, they're just brand new to this whole thing. You know what they did? They gave, even when he was in Thessalonica. That's why he says that. In fact, Paul uses Philippi and these churches of Macedonia, Philippi specifically, to provoke Churches like Corinth, right? To tell them again. In fact, go, go with, just hold your place in Philippians just for a second. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. And I want you to see this in 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. He holds up the church at Philippi as an example of giving. It says in verse number 1, 2 Corinthians 8, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit, the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. How that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded to the riches of their liberality. For their power, I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God, insomuch as we desire Titus that as he had begun, so he would also finish you in the 
same grace also. Therefore, as ye abound in everything, he's talking to Corinth, in faith, in utterance, in knowledge, in all diligence. Remember, Corinth was the talented church, right? They were the gifted church. They abounded in all kinds of gifts. And he said, you're abounding in knowledge, in utterance, and all in faith, and all these spiritual gifts that you like to boast in and, and brag about. He said, but while you're abounding in all these gifts, he said, don't forget to abound in this grace also. What? The grace of giving. The grace of giving. Don't forget the grace of giving. Abound in all, it's fine. You can sing, that's great. You can preach, that's great. Listen, you can, you can teach a class, that's great. You know all about the Scriptures, that's great. But do you give? Are you generous? Or are you a tightwad? Amen. It's pretty good. Pretty good preaching, amen. Amen, Brother Chris, that's pretty good. <laughs> Go to chapter 11. 2 Corinthians 11. Corinth has been blessed. They're so gifted. But man, they ain't giving. They can't all they get and they sit on the can. <laughs> and he's talking about, hey, this church at Philippi, they're in poverty. They're under persecution. And they give and they give and they give. In fact, chapter number 11, Paul kind of does a little retrospect, retrospection, introspection. He's looking back. He said, you know what? I may, when I was with you the first time, he said, I may have done you a disservice. Verse number 7. Have I committed an offense in abasing myself that you might be exalted? Because I have preached to you the gospel of God freely. He's talking about money right there. He's not talking about just free with his time. He's talking about money. He said, he said I, I was there. You didn't pay me anything to preach the gospel. He said, that's fine. I came as a missionary. That's fine. He said, but at some point, he said, I, I think... Paul's saying, at some point I probably should have asked you to give some because in not asking you to give, you never develop this grace of giving. I like what one preacher said one time. He said, we don't preach about giving to raise money. We preach about giving to raise Christians. It's spiritual maturity. It's spiritual growth is what it is. It has everything to do with spiritual maturity. I don't care how long you've been saved. I don't care. Listen, if you're not growing in this grace then you're lacking in your spiritual maturity. And Paul's thinking about that. He said, I robbed, verse number 8, I robbed other churches. What's he talking? He's talking about Philippi, the churches in Macedonia. He said, I robbed other churches taking wages of them to do you service. He was in Corinth preaching to the Corinthians, establishing the church in Corinth, discipling them, and he was there a good while. I have to go back and look. I want to, I want to say it was 18 months he was in Corinth. You have to check me on that. And the whole time, he never took a dime from the Corinthians. You say, man, that's great. Well, it was great for the Corinthians in the sense they didn't have to pay anything for their preacher. But it was bad for them in the sense that they never grew in this area. They were a stunning... And how many of you know Corinth is not known for being the most spiritual church of all the churches? They were the what? They're the carnal church, right? He said, I robbed other churches to do you service. Verse 9, and when I was present with you and wanted... I was chargeable to no man. So when he had a need, when I wanted, we talking about when I, when I lacked, when I had a need, I didn't charge anybody. I didn't ask anybody for it. We didn't pass a plate. I didn't take a salary. I didn't take anything. He said, for that which was lacking to me, the brethren which came from where? Macedonia supplied. 
And in all things I have kept myself from being burdensome unto you, and so will I keep myself. And you can keep everything in context and read all that as you have time, but it's almost like Paul regrets it. He says, I, I should have taught you to give better and give by faith. You know why? Because a church that doesn't learn how to give, Christians that do not learn how to give, listen to me, they're missing out on some of the most tremendous blessings of God. There are blessings that you will only know. I'm not preaching this to raise money. Listen, thank God. Listen, we, we, we pay the bills. I mean, everything. Listen, we're not, we're not hurting. This time. We're not rolling in dough, but we're not, we're not hurting for money. That's not why I'm preaching this message because it's the next passage in Philippians. Somebody say amen right there. I mean, we just go through it. But man, it's the Word of God. And if you learn to do all kinds of things, but you don't, listen, God doesn't like a tightwad. God loves a cheerful giver. That's what the Bible says. And I always heard preachers joke about that and say, well, God loves a cheerful giver, but he'll take it from a tightwad. Amen. Listen, you ain't taking nothing from a tightwad. Amen. They ain't giving nothing. Oh, uh, and I tell you what, I, I think for some people, the reason they don't get a lot out of church is because they don't put a lot into church. Everybody okay? You know, it's like, the, it's like the little boy that went to church with his grandpa and his grandfather on the way home, all he was doing was complaining about church. Man, that preacher preached too long and that singer, you know, couldn't carry a tune in a bucket and all that. And, and, and all, they're always talking about money and taking them off. And that little boy said, well, you only put a dollar in the offering plate. Grandpa said, so what? He said, well, I think, it's, I think it's pretty good for what you paid for it. Amen. He got your money's worth out of it. Amen. <laughs> and some people, the reason they're not interested in church, they, don't, they just come when, and, and, and thank God for people that come, no doubt about that, but they're not interested in it because they're not invested in it. I don't care if the church does good or bad or up or down. or It doesn't matter to them because they're not giving anything. They don't have anything invested in it. Same reason I'm not interested in the stock market. I don't care what the stock market does. Listen, I don't know what shares are up and what shares are down. I don't even know what that means, a share. I guess it's something everybody shares, right? I really, Honestly, it would surprise you, or probably wouldn't surprise you, how ignorant I am when it comes to these finances. I don't, I don't get up and check stock. You know why? Because I ain't got any money. In it. I don't got nothing in it. I'm not interested in it because I don't have anything in it. Amen. You don't put anything in, you ain't going to get anything out. I want you to go back to Philippians 4. I want you to see verse 17, verse 18, verse 19. Well, there's one in each verse, and I want to show you this before we, before we go here, just real quick. There's some spiritual insights into what giving actually is. There's benefits and blessings that the church of Philippi could claim that these other churches, no other church communicated with me. These other churches couldn't claim these things. They couldn't, they couldn't lay hold on these blessings. They couldn't enjoy what the benefits of the grace of giving because they're a bunch of tightwads. Wouldn't get off their wallet and give to the man of God, give to the work of God. And what were they missing out on? Well, here's the testimony of a tightwad, all right? What, is, what kind of testimony does a tightwad have? Number one, the tightwad has an empty account. Has an empty account. I'm not talking about bank account. I'm talking about an eternal account. They have an empty account. Look at what Paul said in verse number 17. He said, not because I desire a gift. He said, but I desire fruit that, it may, abound, that may abound to your account. He said, I desire fruit that may abound to your account. 
Again, he's clarifying his motives, right? He don't want people to think he's a money-grubbing preacher. Listen, a lot of preachers get a bad... Listen, there's a lot of people that have given us a bad reputation, right? Preachers and money. It's not a good... Not, not doing so hot in the PR department. Can I get a witness right there? Thanks a lot, Mr. Baker and Tammy Faye and uh, what's some other, Jimmy Swaggart and all these other jokers. Benny Hinn, yeah, Creflo Dollar. Can you listen? I can't imagine a preacher named Dollar. Can you imagine that? He's in Atlanta. I grew up, you know, grew up not far from, <laughs> not far from Creflo Dollar. <laughs> in fact, I had a preacher friend. They sold their building, their church building, to build another building, and they sold it to Creflo Dollar. Is who they sold their church. I was like, man, I don't know if I'd have done that. He said, well, he's Creflo Dollar. He said, my name's Nemo Dollar. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> he said our church needed to sell the building. Creflo is putting a satellite campus in West Georgia. But anyway, <laughs> bought their church, but here you can have it. Man, can you imagine? Man, they, got, they live lavish lifestyles, all these things. Paul doesn't, and he's already under attack. His, his character, everywhere he goes, his character is under attack, of course. And he has to defend himself, defend his apostleship, defend his character, defend all these things. And, and, and so he's clarifying in verse 17. He says, not because I desire a gift. And again, it has nothing to do with money. He said, I'm not worried about temporary things. I know how to live poor. He said, I can eat rice and beans. He said, I can live in a tent. He can make a tent and live in it. Amen. He said, I know how to... I know how to be abased. He said, I don't need money. It has nothing to do with the amount of money in my bank account. He said, but here's what I do desire. He said, I got one thing that keeps me going. One thing, I wake up in the morning thinking about it. I go to bed at night thinking about it. He said, I want fruit. I want fruit. What's that fruit? Souls. Christians maturing in the faith. That word fruit just simply means that which comes from something. It means profit is what it is. That which results from something. Paul said, I want results. I want fruit. And not just for my account. He said, I want fruit in whose account? Your account. So here's what happens. You take the money out of your bank account and you give it to the work of God. You give it to the missionary. You give it to the ministry. And what that does is it exchanges, it translates. And when that money is used right and it's used for the glory of God and it's used to get the gospel out, I'm not talking about foolish stuff. I'm not talking about ministries that use money for a bunch of crazy junk. I'm talking about when it's used for the right thing and used for the glory of God and when Christians get help and when sinners get saved and when churches get built and when missionaries stay on the field, what that does is that translates into fruit in your account. You give to the boy's home and every boy that's helped, every life that's changed, that's fruit in your account. You give to Brother Helms, his ministry in Alaska. He's going to tell us about it here in just a minute. That's fruit as we give to him and give through. It's not given to him, it's given through him. He's using it for the Lord. That translates into fruit in our account. And I'm not in Alaska. I'm not anywhere near Alaska. I don't want to be anywhere near Alaska. No offense to... Several people in here. I don't want to. Well, maybe like two months out of the year, it'd be all right. But uh, I, don't, I don't think I'd want to be up there. Uh, but I'm glad somebody is preaching the gospel. I'm glad Brother Elijah and Miss Natalie will go. Amen. And I don't plan on going. Now, if God called me, I'd go. I guess he'd put the want to inside of me. Amen. <clears throat> I want to go. Well, anyway, I, I'll tell you later where I want to go. It don't matter where I want to go. God don't care where I want to go. But, uh, but when we give 
and they see souls saved, lives changed. They're spreading the gospel. Even things they don't even know about is happening, and, and we, don't even know, we won't even know till eternity. That's fruit that's going in our account. How many of you know this? There is a judgment seat. We're going to stand before God one day. Every one of us. Man, it's just as real as the pew you're sitting on right now. The judgment seat of Christ. And what's going to be examined at the judgment seat of Christ? This account. Our works, 1 Corinthians 3, I'm not going to take time to go there, but man, our works will be tried. What did we invest in? What did we give? What did we spend our effort and our time and our money on? What was it used for? A bunch of wood, a bunch of hay, a bunch of stubble. It'll all burn up and you'll suffer loss. But those eternal things, the gold, the silver, the precious stone, it'll survive the fire and that'll be rewards. That'll be profit. That's fruit. That's, that's the gain. That's what we get. Jesus said in Matthew 6, He said, Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust doth not corrupt. Thieves do not break through and steal. I read those verses about what Paul told Timothy to preach to his church about charge those that are rich in the world that be not high-minded, not trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things of joy, that they do good and they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate. And But the next verse says this, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. Talking about building for the judgment seat of Christ, preparing for the judgment seat of Christ. Now listen, I know we don't like preaching on giving. We're not swinging from the chandeliers tonight. I understand that. But listen, you ought to be for anybody that's trying to help you have a good day at the judgment seat of Christ. And that's, I feel like that's what I'm doing. I want you to have a good day. I want it to be a good thing. And I promise, listen, you, I promise you when we stand before God and we have that eternal perspective and we know what's eternally valuable and what was absolutely worthless, right now our minds are messed up. They are. We, we're limited in these human bodies and, and things that are absolutely of no importance in eternity seem like the absolute biggest thing in the whole world right now and things that are absolutely the biggest thing, they seem like almost nothing, like almost just take it or leave it and you could you know, have it or not and it doesn't matter. But how many of you know when we get and stand before God, all that's going to change. Our old, our, old, our old perspective on all, all of those things are going to change and I promise you, you will not regret any money that you gave to help propagate the gospel, propagate the work of God, and, 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 and preserve uh, the ministry and, and, and to see it go forward, I promise you, you will not regret one penny. I promise you, you won't. You will not. But how many think we'll be ashamed of some other things? Amen. If we could pull your bank statements up, put them on these screens right here and start tallying and totaling how much you spent here and how much you spent on this and how much you spent on that. Isn't it amazing how, and I'm, I'm saying we now, okay, listen, I'm not preaching at you, I'm preaching to all of us. Isn't it amazing how when we want to buy something, we'll drop $100, $200, $300 on something that we really want and we don't even think about it. But when God puts it on your heart, hey, you need to give a $100 bill to that missionary. It's like, oh. ah. it's like the biggest deal in the whole wide world. How about, isn't that something? Is anybody else like, is that just me? 
I'll blow money on something and, and not even think about it anymore. But I remember, yep, seven years ago, I gave that missionary a $20 bill. Remember where I was standing? I tried to argue with God for 10 hours about it. You know? <laughs> Isn't that crazy? That's that old flesh we live in. It's selfish. Your flesh is selfish. You ain't got to teach anybody to be a tightwad. Hey, <laughs> bad. We got to teach people not to be one. Man, we're so selfish. And we're so just, I mean, we're just, that's our default position. Kids are born selfish. I mean, you know that. Every baby we've ever had born in our house, and I'm expecting the next one to be the same way, they're all selfish when they come out. Every one of them. You got to teach them not to be. Amen. Some people never grow out of it. They get older. They have more things, more money, but they're still just as selfish as a little baby. Amen. That's good preaching, Brother Chris, right there. Man, I'm going to sign my Bible tonight, and that's good right there. Hold on one second. Y'all just wait a second. <laughs> Amen. Empty account. Hey, what, what if we were to review our bank accounts and determine how much we're investing? If, if all we did was take our bank accounts, everything we spend, and put it in two categories, eternal and temporary. I wonder what that would look like. What, what's, what's making it after you quit breathing? What's making it to the judgment seat? And what ain't going to make it to the judgment seat? What if we were just to put everything in them two categories right there? Amen. Now, I'm not telling you what. I haven't asked anybody to give any amount. I'm not even preaching on tithing tonight, am I? I ain't talking about 10%. I ain't talking about no percent. I'm just talking about giving. I'm just talking about, you know why? It's a lot easier to find out a percent. All right, preacher, just tell me what to buy. Tell me what percentage I'm supposed to give. No, that ain't. We're, we're, we're talking about something deeper than that. We're talking about your heart. I'm not talking about a percentage. I'm talking about how's your heart. You know why? Because you can you can give ten percent still be a tightwad. Amen. You're like those Pharisees paying tithes of mint and anise and cumin. <laughs> you know, those are like tiny little tiny little things, and they like divide them out. It's like, all right, God, you get ten percent. <laughs> You know, like they're doing drugs or something, you know. They divide it all out. That's why Jesus said, hey, if somebody compels you to go a mile, go with them too. You know what that means? I mean, just quit measuring things and just start having a heart, a generous heart. That's what God wants to do. It's, in fact, it's easier to give God your money than to give God yourself sometimes. At church, church of Macedonia, what did it say about them? They gave their selves first. They gave their own selves first to the Lord. And then to us by the will of God. You know, as embarrassing it would be to have my financial, your financial, just put it, it'll all be reviewed one day, every bit of it. We've got to be good stewards. We've got to realize, and part of it is realizing it all comes from God anyway. It's all His. And then we've got to be good stewards of it. And listen, there ain't nothing wrong with Ain't nothing wrong with having things. In fact, he said in 1 Timothy 6, I read that verse. He said, the God who giveth us all things richly to enjoy. And there's nothing wrong with having things. You work hard. Listen, if you work hard, you ought, to have, you ought to have something to show for it. Ain't nothing wrong with that at all. I'm not talking about that. And if you go around looking at other people like, well, they got this and they got that. That ain't what I'm talking about. I'm talking about your heart, friend. Do you have a generous heart? Or do you have a selfish heart? There we go. What's the testimony of a tightwad? Well, he's got an empty account. Number two, I'll tell you what else he has. He has an empty altar. 
He has an empty altar. Look at verse number 18. He said, But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you. An odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice, acceptable, well-pleasing to God. You know what he said your gift was? Your gift was like a sacrifice on the altar that was well-pleasing to God, something that had a wonderful odor. That's a reference to the Old Testament tabernacle, that Old Testament temple. They would burn that incense and well, along with those sacrifices, and it would be a... Uh, it would be a sweet smell in the nostrils of God. In Genesis 8, when Noah got off the ark and he offered all kind of sacrifices to God, every clean fowl and burnt offerings, and, and he put them on the altar, and the Bible says the Lord smelled a sweet savor. It was put that sacrifice on the altar, and it was, it was a, a sweet smell of worship to him. That's what giving is. Giving is an act of worship. You know what the tightwad puts on the altar? Nothing. He don't worship. I'm going to tell you something. What you miss out on when you're missing out on giving, you miss out on some worship that is well-pleasing to God. Peter said that we are uh, lively stones. 1 Peter 2, 5. Build up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices. That's what we offer up. We don't, we don't take a lamb and put it on the altar, but we have spiritual sacrifices that we, that we uh, offer to God, that they're acceptable to God by Christ Jesus. Hebrews 13, 16 says, But to do good and to communicate, forget not for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. He said, One of the ways that we offer a spiritual sacrifice to God is the money that we give to God. And when you don't give, you're missing out on worship. The tightwad doesn't know how to worship God. He has an empty altar, nothing on it. He don't put nothing on it, give it to God. You know, and really think about it. Romans 12 tells us that we ought to put our whole body on the altar. We ought to live as a sacrifice. And if he's got you, he's got everything. He's got your time. He's got your heart. He's got your wallet. He's got it all if he has you. And it's not the amount, it's the attitude that's pleasing to God. Isn't that right? I think I hit that. God loves a cheerful giver, a cheerful giver. He's worthy of our best. You can read Malachi chapter number 1. It talks about God was, God was wore out. God was angry. God was displeased with the sacrifices that the children of Israel were bringing. They were taking, and instead of bringing the best, they were bringing just what was left over, and they were giving it to God. That's not a sacrifice. What, what is the idea of a sacrifice? A sacrifice is what? Something that costs you something. If it don't cost you something, it's not a sacrifice. It's like, hey, preacher, we want to we give a donation to the church. It's like, okay, great. Come to find out, it's an old couch that's been in the in the family for 17 generations and been passed down. Well, that's not, that's not giving to the church. That's just getting it out of your house so you ain't got to mess with it. Somebody say amen. That's not a sacrifice. <laughs> giving God your leftover, giving God what you don't want. Well, this old sheep, it's broke its leg. It ain't no good anyway. We'll, put, we'll, we'll take it to church and we'll worship. We'll, we'll put this on the altar. No, God said, I want that firstling. He said, I want that male without blemish. He said, give me the best because I want you to know that a sacrifice is something that costs you something. It's all a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. When God sent Jesus, he gave us his best, didn't he? Amen. And that really is our motive for giving. Paul goes on to say that in 2 Corinthians 8. 
For you know the, the grace of our Lord. For our, though, though he were rich, yet he became poor, right? But our, our sake, through his poverty, we might become rich. That's the whole basis of all of our giving is the Lord Jesus Christ for all of our sacrifice. It's a part of worship. It's a part of worship. And I'll tell you what the tightwad misses out on. He misses out on worshiping God. You've never really worshiped God until you've given a sacrifice. Amen. Give until it hurts. You ever gave something that hurt? Give until it hurts and then just keep on giving until it feels good again. Amen. I tell you what, it's, a, it's an act of worship. If it's never cost you something, if you got to get out your, your, your calculator and say, well, here's what i got to do. Listen, that's not, that's not exactly given to God. You give obediently and give out of a heart, a heart that is just so full of everything that God does for you, it just overflows. And you say, man, i got to give. i got to give to the Lord. A tightwad has an empty account. That's his testimony. He's got an empty altar. And let me give you this last one and I'm done. He has an empty assurance. Empty assurance. I love verse number 19. He said, But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Man, hadn't that verse been a lot of help to us throughout the years? Man, what assurance it is to know that our security, it's not in the government, thank God. It's not in a job. It's not in a bank account. It's not in a retirement fund. It's not in a family member. Our assurance, our security is in the Lord. My God shall supply all your need. He's the one taking care of you. He's the one taking care of me. He's the one that puts food on my table. He's the one that clothes my family. He's the one that's going to take care of me. And I thank God for this church, and I thank God for all they do. This church takes very good care of me financially, and I thank Thank God for that. But I want you to know if you stop tomorrow, God would meet my need. God would take care of me. Amen. I thank God for you, but I'm not trusting in you for my sustenance. My help comes from the Lord. God's taking care of you. You ought to thank God for your job. If you got one, you got a good one, you ought to thank God for it. You ought to be a good worker. You ought to show up on time and do your very best and have a good testimony and thank God for that job and quit messing around. Amen. But you need to know that... He's the one taking care of you. It's my God supplying all your need. But I want you to know this, this verse, this promise, it's given to those who were giving people. They were giving to the work of God. And here's what Paul's telling them. Since you gave to me, my God is going to take care of you. That's what he's saying in that verse. You gave to me, so my God... It was all there, God, but that's, he's making it personal. He said, that's my God. I'm his child. I'm his servant. And when you gave to me and you gave the work of God, I want you to know that my master will take care of you for taking care of me. People that don't give to the work of God, let me tell you what they're missing out on. They're missing out on the assurance that God will take care of your need. They're the ones that worry and fret about every little situation. They're counting pennies and they're pinching it and they're holding down. And say, well, we don't know what this economy is going to do. We don't know what Biden's going to do. We don't know what inflation's going to do. And they sit around and they worry themselves in a tizzy about the economy and everything that's going on. Why? Because they're a tightwad and they hadn't been given. Listen, if you're a giving person, you will not worry about what's going on. God will take care of you. You have that assurance in your heart that God is going to take care of His children. Amen. I believe that. Listen, I, I'm not 
bragging. I'm not boasting. I'm just saying I know because we have given our lives to God and we have given of everything that we have to God. I know God's going to take care of my family. That's not boasting. That's not bragging. I'm just telling you what God said in his book right here. I know that if there's only one biscuit left in Davidson County, me and my family will be nibbling on one end of it. I promise you that. Amen. You better believe it. Listen, God's going to take care of us. Amen. We may not live in the nicest house. We may not drive the nicest car. We might not be doing everything. In fact, he didn't say God would supply all your greed. He said God would supply all your need. And there's a difference. Amen. He's not talking about giving everything you want. He's talking about taking care of you. God will take care of those. Take care of his work. I promise you that. That tightwad, he don't have any assurance, does he? He don't have any peace. Man, we serve a big God that can be trusted. That tightwad, let me tell you what he's missing out on. He's missing out on a testimony, a real testimony, and real stories about how God came through. Let me tell you what people that don't give, they don't have any stories about how God came through for them. People that don't give, people that aren't giving people, they don't have any stories about, hey, listen, you're not going to believe this. Man, we gave to this ministry. We gave to this missionary. Man, we were down to nothing. And look at what God did. God met our need. God supplied our need. Listen, I could stand up here, and I'm not going to, but I could stand up here, and I could tell you stories about how God put it on my heart to give to this or that. And I know I didn't have the money, and I knew I wasn't going to be able to pay something. But, man, let me tell you, every single time God has come through and He has supplied, every single one of my needs and I would miss out on knowing the faithfulness of God not by some preacher's word but something he showed me and, and done in my life personally I'd have missed out on all that if I hadn't gave right. tightwads don't have stories tightwads can't tell you about how God is faithful tightwads don't have a, a testimony of the faithfulness of God and the miraculous provision of God all they have is their little checkbook and their calculator and their finance and their pinching pennies and squeezing everything in and just trying to just hold everything and stay away from me and I can't believe the preacher taking them all over I can't believe we got to give it can't believe we got to give man you must be a lovely person to be around I bet everybody wants to come to your birthday party good grief Given people, generous people, are godly people. They're beaming with the good grace of God. They have this assurance that God will take care of them. We serve a big God. And Paul's telling these people, he said, listen, Philippi, I remember 10 years ago and even now again, he said, I remember you gave out of your poverty. So let me tell you what my God's going to do for you. Since you gave according to your poverty, He said, my God's going to supply your need according to His what? His riches. You gave out of your poverty, my God's going to supply out of His riches, out of His storehouse. And can I tell you something? Listen, God owns it all. He don't need your money. He don't need my money. What's He going to do with it? He don't want my money. He wants you. He wants me. God owns everything. The whole earth this is. He owns all the hills. He owns all the gold in the hills. He owns it all. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns it all. I'll tell you what God wants. He wants you and He wants to prove Himself mighty in your life. He wants your heart. He doesn't want it to be callous with selfishness. He wants to take care of you. Miss Maddie, I want you to come around to the piano. I'm saying these churches, they didn't give to 
They didn't give to be noted. They just gave because it was in their heart to give and take care of Paul. But these churches that he mentions that did not give, they didn't get to enjoy any of these blessings. They missed out on all these blessings. They missed out on eternal fruit of the judgment seat of Christ. They missed out on some of the greatest experiences of worship. And they missed out on seeing God move in their lives personally. I just want to tell you, listen, if you're not a giver, you're missing out. You're missing out on the blessings of God. Don't be selfish. Don't be selfish. Be a cheerful giver. Learn how to live with your hands open like this. You know what that means? God, you can put whatever's in, whatever you want in my hands, you put it in my hands. Whatever you want to take out of my hands, you take it out of my hands. And if you'll live like that, you know what? You'll be amazed what God will put in your hands. See, everybody's afraid to open up because they're afraid of what God's going to take out. <laughs> what you're missing out on is everything God's trying to put in. It's a blessing. It's a blessing. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give unto your bosom. I'm going to tell you something. God loves givers. In fact, here's what Jesus said. He said it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. God's a giver. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Salvation is given to us, freely given. He loves to give. God's a, God's a giver. God's a giver by nature. And those that are godly will be givers by nature too.